Hello and welcome back to my podcast. In the last episode, I talked about using this pandemic to question our normal rhythms of life and the distractions that have kept us away from the abundant life that Jesus promised. In this episode, I want to go even further in exposing the root of why we chase after distractions and how to instead pursue a life that is full of abundance in the kingdom of heaven, where you can seriously say to hell with going back to normal. In one of the greatest books on discipleship that I've ever read is titled The Divine Conspiracy. Dallas Willard writes, quote, The most spiritually dangerous things in me are the little habits of thought, feeling, and action that I regard as normal because everyone is like it and it is only human, end quote. Okay, so before I move on, I want to make it clear that this episode may come across as harsh. Um, if anything, my intention is encouragement and not shame or guilt. The reason why I do these podcasts is because I just love studying and the process of becoming a better me. This might sound strange, but this is kind of like a platform where um, my potential better self is giving encouragement to my false self or the side of myself that I don't like. So if there is any criticism here, it is first and foremost directed to my selfish, egotistical self. Because we are all on our own journey. And the last thing I want to do is come across as another one of those judgmental Christians that use the method of guilt and shame to bully people into submission or conversion. I guess if there is any criticism here, then it would be directed to those bullies. So please take this episode with a grain of salt. Ignore everything that brings shame and grab hold onto anything that inspires you towards the love of the Father. So back to the kingdom of heaven and the hell with going back to normal. Here is a profound maxim by Catholic philosopher Telhard. Quote, We are spiritual beings having a human experience, not human beings having a spiritual experience. Again, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. End quote. So I believe in order to live a life of abundance that Jesus promised, I think it is vital to have this eternal mindset that is connected to the divine, or in other words, a heavenly perspective of living in the kingdom of heaven now, which is a major theme throughout scriptures, especially a way of life that the Apostle Paul seems to emphasize over and over and over and over. In this human experience, I believe we long for what we think we need based on who we think we are. And if we are not rooted in a divine and eternal identity in Christ, then by default, we will naturally seek temporary fulfillment. So of course, it would only make sense that we freak out when a pandemic rolls around because it threatens everything that defines who we think we are and what we think we need. So why am I talking about this? Because I so freaking badly want lasting joy, peace, and contentment that is not finite and temporary. I want that abundant life in Christ. I want treasure that is not dependent on things where moth and rust can destroy or that can be stolen by thieves or that can be shaken by a tiny spectacle called COVID-19. I want to live according to the kingdom of heaven where I'm overwhelmed with the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, where my character becomes the very essence of God, which is agape love that is described in 1 Corinthians 13 as patient, kind, not envious or boastful or prideful or rude or self-seeking or easily angered or keeping records of wrong or not delighting in evil, but instead rejoicing in the truth. 
and that always protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. I want the hidden mystery of the abundant life that has been foretold in the sacred scriptures thousands of years ago and fulfilled through the blood of Jesus. I want to become aware of my eternal spiritual identity in Christ so that my human experience is about the abundant life of joining the eternal logos. I don't want to just read Psalms 23 when I'm anxious and need comfort. I want to actually relate to the poet's description of finding contentment in the Lord. And because of that contentment in Christ or in the Good Shepherd, I don't need or want anything else. I want to be so content that a lockdown does not matter. It does not disrupt my joy. I want to have so much confidence and trust in the Lord that I won't be in fear even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I want to live like Paul and his deep understanding of what it means to be in Christ to the point that any threat is just petty and nonsensical compared to the overflowing goodness of God. I mean, just put yourself in the shoes of the Apostle Paul for a second. Okay, so pretend that you're living during the reign of the ruthless Romans who have built their empire on fear, torture, and death. Imagine that you've witnessed brutal deaths of many of your friends and you're currently locked in a prison awaiting for a sentence or punishment from Nero, Nero who is one of the most ruthless and brutal emperor of Rome. I mean, I don't ever want to undergo suffering that Paul did, but I want his courage and unwavering faith whereby if I am surrounded by fear and death, I am able to rejoice, praise, worship, and even brag about God's goodness like how Paul did throughout his prison letters. I want more than just a petty human experience for prosperity, status, followers on Instagram. <laughs> I want an abundant human experience that is an overflow of my spiritual identity in the divine. The hell with going back to normal. It's about moving forward. When I say normal, I'm not talking about going back to community living or work or social gatherings or simply just going to the store without a mask. Um, those are all good things. Rather, I'm referring to a deeper human heart condition. Okay, so before I move on, I just want to say that this is not me bashing America or Americans. Even though I don't live in America at the moment, I, I love my country and its people. And I'm worried about her well-being. I believe there must be more to this life than a human experience seeking the temporary American dream because it's just not working. If the American dream was working, then why is there so much data showing that anxiety and depression and suicide has been snowballing. There are so many of our fellow brothers and sisters in America who are hurting, lost, and broken. A stimulus check will not fix a broken heart. Getting back to normal pre-COVID days may bring the illusion of the good life, but that's all that it was, an illusion or a good distraction to a broken heart. There are so many of us that want to get back to normal, but I don't think we should go back to normal until we wake up to the reality that that normal was like an undetected cancer causing more damage to our society than COVID-19 ever could. According to Medical News Today, in an article that was published a couple years ago titled Anxiety in the West, Is It on the Rise? A study was done to see where in the world is anxiety most prevalent. Is it in high economic developed nations 
or in impoverished, underdeveloped nations. So that study involved 147,261 adults from 26 different countries. And they concluded that anxiety disorder is especially common and impairing in high-income countries. Quote, when it comes to anxiety disorders, the Americas are head and shoulders above all other regions, including Africa and Europe, end quote. In that same article, some scientists say, quote, humans in the Western societies are becoming more psychologically sensitive because there is less pressure on us to survive now that food and water are so abundant. They believe that our gaze has moved away from survival and shifted inward. They argue that we now focus on extrinsic desires, such as a new car and a big house, rather than intrinsic desires, including the joy of family and friends and meeting with others in community, end quote. And as for suicide, according to American Psychological Association in March 2019, they have collected data that suicide in the United States has risen in the recent years, while rates in other nations have fallen. I think suicide is usually driven by despair. And how is it that despair is possible in a nation that has a plethora of everything imaginable? Or are we just trying to find joy, peace, and contentment in things that really do not deliver? Like, have we mistaken the purpose of life for prosperity? Bob Moorhead, with a PhD in theology, wrote this, quote, The paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings, but shorter tempers, wider freeways, but narrower viewpoints. We spend more, but have less. We buy more, but enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families, more conveniences, but less time. We have more degrees, but less sense, more knowledge, but less judgment, more experts, yet more problems, more medicine, but less wellness. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry, stay up too late, get too tired, read too little, watch TV too much, and pray too seldom. We have multiplied our possessions, but reduced our values. We talk too much, love too seldom, and hate too often. We've learned how to make a living, but not a life. We've added years to life, but not life to years. We have been all the way to the moon and back, yet have trouble crossing the street to meet a new neighbor. We conquered outer space, but not inner space. We've done larger things, but not better things." End quote. In an article published in Christianity Today titled, Wanting More in an Age of Plenty, Our Wallets Are Fat, But Our Souls Are Empty, psychologist David Myers wrote, quote, If you had fallen asleep in 1960 and woke up today, you'd be awakened to double divorce rates, triple teen suicide rate, quadruple rate of reported violent crime, quintupled prison population, sextupled percentage of babies born in unmarried parents, no pun intended, sevenfold increase in cohabitation, a major predictor of future divorce, and soaring rates of depression, up to 10 times the pre-World War II levels. End quote. By the way, that article was published 20 years ago. Today, those statistics are still continuing to rise. William B. Beckham writes this in his book, The Second Reformation, quote, The West has placed the bullet of unbelief into the chamber of the gun, aimed the pistol of humanism at its head, and has its finger on the secular trigger. The only questions are, will the West actually pull the trigger? If so, when? And after pulling the trigger, will the death throes be immediate or drawn out? End quote. By the way, I want to talk about a cliche that I absolutely hate so much. And I am so guilty of saying this. Like after we visit third world countries, we come back and we say things like, 
oh, like they were just so poor, but like they're just so happy. I hate that statement because that statement exposes just how broken our concept of happiness really is. And like somehow we're shocked that they're able to be happy even though they're living in poverty. I think it's sad that we have learned to connect happiness with prosperity. And for some reason, anyone who has happiness outside of prosperity is a shock or abnormal to what we believe. Um, but that's just my two cents on that subject. So moving on. Back in the 1900s, theologian Elton Trueblood, who got a PhD in philosophy, saw a weakness in Western civilization at its roots. Quote, the terrible danger of our time consists in the fact that ours is a cut flower civilization. Beautiful as cut flowers may be, and much as we may use our ingenuity to keep them looking fresh for a while, they will eventually die. And they die because they are severed from their sustaining roots." End quote. And of course, it only makes sense if I quote the magnificent Brene Brown. Quote, we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal, other than we normalized greed, iniquity, exhaustion, depletion, extraction, disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, hate, and lack. We should not long to return, my friends. We are being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all humanity and nature." End quote. So this may sound harsh and a bit extreme, but have we normalized hell on earth? If so, why the hell would we want to go back? We want this lockdown, shutdown thing to end because we believe fulfillment is somewhere out there waiting for us. But what if we are just constructing our own prison cells from materials that we think will give us life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? I don't want to return to sleepwalking and daydreaming through life in my own pursuit of make-believe palaces and throne rooms. I want more than temporary fulfillment from chasing after an illusion. I want to go back, but way further back, to emulate the life of Jesus Christ, the apostles, some of the early saints, mystic desert fathers and mothers, who discovered that everything they need was already given to them. So what do I need to do for my new normal to be rooted in Christ and the kingdom of heaven? I think the answer is the art of doing absolutely nothing. Dallas Rillard writes, one of the greatest spiritual attainments is the capacity to do nothing. Because this kingdom of heaven living is not about attaining or understanding or even repeating a prayer of inviting Jesus into your heart. You cannot achieve what has already been given. You cannot attain what is already present. As for the sinner's prayer, you cannot invite someone who has already been there before the foundation of creation. You cannot invite the creator into its own creation. All you can do is wake up to the reality of this God who is, dare I say, love-struck and obsessed with you and wants you to be part of his master plan. To echo the words of the prophet Isaiah and the apostle Paul, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Okay, so just a side note to clear up any speculation of being labeled a universalist from that last comment about the Lord's Prayer or the sinner's prayer. 
I'm not a universalist. I stand with the Apostles' Creed. I just believe that repeating the sinner's prayer is trash because that is usually just a means to an end to get to heaven after we die. And life as a follower of Jesus Christ is just so much more than going to heaven after we die. I simply don't believe someone is converted if they repeat a prayer. I actually believe that is called witchcraft. Repeat this and you'll receive this. I mean, maybe you've gotten a free get out of hell card and got some tips on sin management and moral behavior. I don't know. But I think true conversion is about a deep inner experience or transformation. What the Apostle Paul states as having the eyes of your heart enlightened. It is a continuous inner dialogue with the divine that transforms your entire human experience into Christ and exactly into what Jesus would do. That is true holiness and righteousness. That is truly the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So again, what do we do to experience this abundance? It's the art of doing nothing to achieve it and everything to become aware of it. Colossians 3, 1-3 says this, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I like Francis de Toit's, or um, I think you say it, Francois de Toit's definition of that passage, which is this, quote, See yourselves co-raised with Christ, now ponder with persuasion the consequences of your co-inclusion in him. Relocate yourselves mentally. Engage your thoughts with throne room's realities where you are co-seated with Christ, in Christ, in the executive authority of God's right hand. Becoming affectionately acquainted with throne room thoughts will keep you from being distracted again by the earthly realm. Your union with his death broke the association with that world. See yourselves located in a fortress where your life is hidden with Christ in God. The unveiling of Christ is defining our lives. Immediately implies that what is evident in him is equally mirrored in you. The exact life on exhibit in Christ is now repeated in us. We are included in the same bliss and join oneness with him. Just as his life reveals you, your life reveals him. End quote. It's all about setting your eyes on what already is. And so I want to end with a few lines from French mystic Jean Guyon in her profound book, Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. I highly recommend that book. She says this, quote, Your spiritual experience falls into two categories, those that are external and those that take place internally, deep within your being. External is outward, more or less physical things. Now this you must see. There is no real goodness in them no spiritual growth in them, and very little experience of Christ. We must give our full attention to those activities that take place deep within our innermost being. These are the activities of the Spirit. The Spirit is inward. You turn inward to your spirit, and in doing so, turn away from outward activities and outward distractions." End quote. In another part of her book, she writes, quote, Now a heavenly blessedness is yours you begin to discover that God is more intimately present to you than you are to yourself. And a great awareness of the Lord begins to come to you. The only way to find him is turning within. It is there and there alone you can find him." End quote. I don't want to be restless and antsy to find fulfillment in getting back to normal. 
I want to come aware of the fullness that is already present within. And that's where I believe spiritual disciplines, routines, rhythms, and even good religion comes in handy to keep you aware of who you truly are, your spiritual identity in Christ. And I would also encourage you to read Christian mystics and the desert fathers and mothers. And of course, I would advise that you tread lightly, just like you would any resource outside the final authority of the Bible. Thank you again for listening. Again, this is just me and my thoughts. I am not a teacher, and this is not a sermon or a Bible study or anything like that. I am just a student. And these are some of the things that I have been learning lately. So please feel free to email me at ringorshaden at gmail.com with any comments or concerns. All right, see you next time.